You guys can head out, and uh, sixth through eighth graders, uh, you can head out with Emily uh, upstairs. Hey, first of all, I just want to, to say thank you to a lot of you. Uh, we've, we've been, uh, my family's been doing a fundraising basketball tournament this weekend for our adoption, and uh, a lot of you guys have volunteered and, and donated things to that, and it's just, it's gone really well uh, so far, so um, really appreciate your, your help in that. Um, as we go through this series uh, of doing life together as the body of Christ and what that means, I, I've, I was struck by a couple of different realities this week. Um, one is just continues, uh, I guess, to, to resonate with me is how hard it, that is to really care about people deeply, especially people who maybe have been strangers or just acquaintances to us as we try to get to know everyone that uh, comes in here um, on a deeper level. But secondly, uh, really how glad I am that I have a, a family and a, and a community that's, that's based on something deeper than just um, sheer biology, you know, that we have a, a group of people here who have a common commitment, a unified commitment to serve and honor Christ. And over the past five months, we've been talking pretty extensively about uh, what kind of a community that, that, that Paul and, and, and people in the Bible are calling us to be uh, in order to really reflect Christ well. In this world, we've talked about some very specific how-tos uh, of doing that. Um, and today, as we take a look in God's Word, we're going to be really taking a look at Paul's community. We're going to kind of get a glimpse of the people that he did life with and, and, and how those people interacted with one another and what they meant to one another. So um, and you don't have to look very long if you look at Paul's writings to see that he really cared about people very deeply. He was really all about relationships and, and he was very good, as we're going to see today, about, about really affirming people and really calling out the things that, that he saw in them that that helped him to be successful in the ministry that he had. He understood that it was a partnership, that it was bigger than just him and what he brought to the table. So I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. It's page 790. Romans chapter 16, it's the last, last chapter. I want you to just browse real quickly, just do a flyby with your eyes over the first 15 verses. What is it that just stands out to you in those 15 verses? You don't even really have to read it very closely. What do you notice? What's that? Okay, yeah. You send us in greetings. What else do you notice? I mean, just very blatant, just right there. A lot of names, right, that you don't know, correct? Okay, so at first glance, you just see all of these names that we can't pronounce. Um, and sometimes when we get to chapters like this, if you've read through the Bible um, and you come to those, you know, genealogies about, you know, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so and blah, 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 or you get to, to passages like this where it's, you know, send my greetings to this person, that person, Sometimes it's very easy for us to just kind of skip over that and decide, you know, there's just really not a whole lot there for me. I don't know these people. I don't know what they did. It's not really that meaningful for me. But um, the fact that our theme this, this uh, year has been doing life together, I think it's very important for us 
it kind of beckons us to kind of slow down a little bit here and, and figure out, well, who are these people? And obviously, Paul knew them by name. He's, he's very specific, as we're going to look at today, about some of the things that they did, ways that they contributed. So we need to take some time to kind of see what we can learn um, from this. Of all the letters that Paul wrote, several in the New Testament, this one is definitely the most intimate in terms of, of him you know, sending personal greetings to people. Um, there's about 35 names listed here. These were all people that Paul knew and loved, and it just is a good reminder for us that ministry happens um, in community and by community. And so let's read through this, uh, these first 15 verses here and, and laugh as I butcher pronunciations. Okay, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work very hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Perses, another woman who has worked hard, very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, there's a good one, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegion, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, <laughs> Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. So, a lot of times you read through those things and you're so concerned about whether you're reading the name right that you kind of miss all the other information, right? So you really got to take it slow. And he's like, okay, beyond just weird names, what is he actually saying about these people? And first of all, it's, it's important for us to understand a little background here. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome, and he's writing it from Corinth, Greece, which is about 600 miles away from Rome. And he's writing it, he's never been to Rome. And so he's writing it to people there who he's met in ministry over the years as he's planted churches, um, and, but these people now have relocated in Rome. And so he has some people there that he um, misses, that he really wants to, um, to send greetings to. So a very important consideration right away is who's going to get this letter from Corinth to Rome? Because... This was a very important job. You don't, just, you don't have copy machines back then. So there was one writing of the letter to the Romans. And so you can't spill your coffee on it or lose it on the trail somewhere. So uh, first of all, he wants to pick somebody he really trusts 
to be this messenger that's going to deliver it. And we find out the, the identity of the messenger in verse 1. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, not Phoebe from Friends. This is a different Phoebe. I would not give her the letter to deliver. She might have issues. Um, but he says, receive her, give her any help she needs. And he says, do this because she's been a great help to many people. So in other words, like we talked about last week, Paul says, I want you to practice hospitality, which we talked about means love for strangers. Okay, Phoebe's going to come to you. She's a stranger. I want you to love her. I want you to provide for her, care for her, you know, do whatever you can because she's been such a blessing to me. And I know that she could be to you as well. We know a little bit about Phoebe. Apparently, she was a patron of Paul's, which basically means that she just had some cash and she was a kind of a financial backer of Paul's ministry. And we're going to be looking today at many different ways that people contribute to people in ministry. And, and obviously, financially, uh, backing somebody uh, is very important, very encouraging. If you're the one like Paul who was out there risking his life to know that there are people behind you that are like, man, I support what you're doing. You know, what needs do you have? How can I help you do that? Um, you know, we have people like that in Wellspring, and we have all along the way. I'm not going to point anybody out today uh, in terms of who some of those folks are, but I will say this. You know, when we got started um, the year before we planted this church, I worked at a church in Kansas City as an intern, and we didn't ask for anything from them besides that they would give me a job. But when I left to come and, and plant Wellspring, they gave us a check for $20,000. And to us at the time, $20,000 was a lot of money (laughs) Um, because we didn't have much. And so when I think about those pastors there and the people in their leadership, um, those people are really dear to me because they believed in what we were doing here before, you know, any of this really existed. And so those people are very encouraging uh, to folks along the way. We're going to skip around this chapter a little bit today, so I just want you to hang with me. We're not going to be going in order. Um, I want you to look at the second half of verse 5. Second half of verse 5, Paul said, Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And if you know anything about Paul and his ministry, I mean, I'm sure Epinetus was very dear to him. Paul was, was kind of the, one of the first guys that branched out from the area around, you know, Israel, Jerusalem, that went out to Turkey, you know, Greece, um, you know, Italy, and, and those areas later in his life, and, and brought the, the gospel, the message of Christ to people that had never heard it before. And a lot of times along the way, as you read his letters, you see that there was a lot of resistance, a lot of persecution that Paul endured because people didn't, didn't like this message, that, that especially these Jews, that you guys have missed it, that there was this Christ that came and, and uh, your people, you know, beat him and, and uh, abused him. And, and, uh, and so you can imagine what it felt like for him when that first person came forward and said, yeah, man, I believe that. I, I want to commit my life to Christ. And because as we go on, you know, we understand what that meant at that time to do that. And so Paul, he says, I know Epinetus is living in Rome now, and I want you to say hi to him because that guy really means a lot to me. And in a lot of ways, I can relate to Paul's feelings uh, for Epinetus there. Striking out and planting this church uh, five years ago had a certain level of financial risk uh, in my life. I had you know, a wife who stayed home with our three kids, and so failure um, wasn't much of an option for us. And so there were some people along the way 
that I'll never forget. I'll never forget my wife for believing in me. I'll never forget my mom who moved here to kind of support uh, this, this church and our family. I'll never forget Dave and Karen Hind and Rich Fox and Devin and Stacy Kearns and Bill and Stephanie Burr and Josh and Erica Albin and John Goolsby and Nick and Megan Kodeman and James and Erica Soans and Jason Hinckley. These were all people that, that were on board with this before there were people and buildings and, and money. These were people that believed in, in me as their pastor when I had never pastored anybody before. They believed in the vision of, of Wellspring and what we hoped to be. They gave sacrificially. They served willingly. They poured their lives into forming this church community right alongside me. We were partners in that, and they're still partners with us to this day. And you never forget people like that, people that, that believe in God's call in your life, people that, that believe in the vision that God has laid on your heart. And so Paul gives Epinetus a well-deserved shout-out. And one thing that I think is important for us also to understand in terms of kind of a background here of this story and what these people mean to him is that in, the, in Paul's time, in his context of what Christianity looked like at that time in the first century, there was no such thing as convenient Christianity. It, the, the concept didn't exist. In the first century, following Christ was often life-threatening. It was, it was against the Roman law, the empire. People were persecuted and put to death for believing in Christ. And so that shared the, the depth of intimacy that they experienced because of that persecution and those trials knit their hearts together in ways that we probably will never understand. And so one of the principles that we take from this passage today is that true, in true biblical community, people risk themselves. You risk something. You know, you take a risk when you stick your neck out there to, to love people who, who are lost and, and troubled and, and far from God. We take risks with one another when, when we enter into other people's pain and we try to come alongside them and, and walk with them towards healing in ways that, that are courageous and sincere and, and ways that stretch us beyond what we feel like we can handle. If we don't take risks relationally, then church quickly becomes just a place of comfort, a, a convenient Christianity that ultimately is going to lack true friendship because true friendship really is forged out of trials, out of suffering, out of pain. And so we cut ourselves short when we don't risk. And Paul had some people that were risk takers by his side. We meet one of those couples as we look at verses 3 through 5, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. And so we have Priscilla and Aquila, uh, a married couple that are, are mentioned six times in the New Testament. So they're fairly known people in Paul's ministry. Um, and it's one of the few couples, as you read through scriptures, where you really hear about a couple working alongside each other in ministry. And so what a great example they set for us who are married of two people who are equally engaged in ministry and contributing to Paul's work. Paul says they were his fellow workers and that they risked their lives for him. And when he says that, I don't think he means that kind of like, you know, flippantly. 
I honestly think that they probably risked their lives for him. If you read the New Testament, you see how many times Paul is on the brink of death. He's being beaten and shipwrecked and, and all stoned, you know, and whipped with the uh, cat of nine tails to the brink of death. I really think that there was probably a time when Paul was in a jam and, uh, and Priscilla and Aquila came in and, and pulled him out of whatever the situation was, used whatever influence they might have had to, to save his life. And so he says, these people, guys, all the churches in the, of the Gentiles, he says, you ought to welcome these folks because they literally risked their lives for me. Priscilla and Aquila, we know from the scriptures that they had moved around to several different towns and cities that Paul had done ministry in, and now they've relocated to Rome. And he says, you know, they've got a church at their home, which is just a reminder to us then also that's really the only way they could do church. You couldn't have a public gathering of people that was known that was worshiping Christ. It was all underground and secretively. So, so they've moved on, but they're still engaged and not only do people who do life together in Christian, Christian community take risks, but we also know that people, those people work hard. We're introduced to some people here that Paul says were hard workers. In verse 6, we meet Mary, who Paul said worked very hard for you. And that Greek word there for, for very hard means to the point of weariness and exhaustion. So we're not talking about folks that just, you know, refilled the the towels in the bathroom. <laughs> We're talking about people that worked hard to establish the church, to care for people. In verse 12, we meet Trifida and Trifosa and Perses, all women who worked very hard alongside Paul. So are all you moms and potential moms keeping a list here today of some great biblical names that you can name your children? Because I'm telling you, if the next set of girl twins aren't named Trifida and Trifosa, I'm going to be extremely disappointed, okay? That, I would give you mad props if you named your kids <laughs> some of those names. But people who care about each other and who are compelled by a common sense of God's grace for them and a common vision to, to reach people for Christ, they're willing to work very hard to serve and to love other people because of what they believe in. And I can tell you that pretty much every staff member here at Wellspring right now is underpaid and overqualified. Our, our volunteers that, that serve here on Sunday mornings, they show up early. Our band practices during the week, and then they show up at 8.30 on Sunday morning to get ready for you guys. Our video folks are here early. Every Sunday we get around the, uh, the circle and we pray for this service and I'm grateful for those folks that are willing to make that kind of investment. Our advisory board works countless hours behind the scenes to, to keep this place in line and make sure we're doing what God has called us to do. I know that many of you have been here late at night with me in meetings or in counseling sessions that just rip your heart out and you walk out of here at 10 and you're just physically and emotionally exhausted from the whole experience because you work hard and you believe in, in what God has called us to be. Church communities risk together, they work hard together, and then finally they suffer together. And many of you that have been following Christ for a while, you know that we're called to suffer 
because we're called to be like Christ who, who suffered, whose life ended at the, at the cross. And so as Christians, our call then is also to head down that path. And Paul only knew a Christianity that was willing to suffer when called upon. Remember, there was no convenient Christianity in his understanding. You know, I think in America today, for too many of us, our faith journey stops when things get too painful or when things start to demand a little bit too much of us or when the risk seems a little bit too much to give. A Christianity that isn't about calling one another to die to ourselves, to head down that same path of Christ, which ends at the cross, to, to humble ourselves, to lay our plans at God's feet and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. That's not a Christianity based on Christ, if those people aren't telling you those things. But it's, it's one based on convenience. You see, Paul was surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who, who understood and knew what it meant and were willing to suffer, to, to advance this work. In verse 7, we meet Andronicus and Junius, who it says were in prison with Paul. And, and they're just two examples of, if you read through his letters, many other people who, who shared some time in jail with Paul uh, for preaching the gospel, and I'm sure who suffered during that time as well. In verse 8, we meet Ampliatus, and as I studied it this week, that was a name that would have been given to a slave. And so one of the things that we notice about Paul's ministry here is that it cut across all kinds of socioeconomic boundaries. You have uh, Phoebe, who obviously has some, some money and is financially backing Paul, and then you've got a slave who's also serving in part of the ministry. And as Paul writes this letter, he, he sees those people as equally important. He's affirming whatever it is that they can bring to the table and contribute because of their life situation. He values that. And he points it out and he says, man, thank you. Thank you for the way that you've served. In verse 13, we meet Rufus, who I'm sure was probably would be disappointed today if he knew how many dogs had been named after him. But that's his legacy. And we meet his mother, who Paul says has been a mother to him also. And you can imagine what life on the road must have been like for Paul, you know, going to these cities, you know, beaten, persecuted, worn out. And then you have these spots along the road that he knows are kind of safe havens for him. Rufus's mama has got, you know, the pot of stew, you know, whatever, whatever his favorite meal was ready for him. And when he gets there, he's, he's got a warm bed made in his favorite magazines, you know, Christianity Today, you know, all laid out for him. And maybe you've had some of those people like that in your life. I know I have as I've journeyed you know, for 25 years and been a young man, I've had those people that are 20, 25, 30 years older than me that have cared for me. They've prayed for me. They've encouraged me. They've invested in me. And some of you here today, like me, are starting to get some gray hairs or maybe already have them, and you're looking around this young congregation, and you're wondering sometimes, like, where do I fit in? What's my role? And I got to tell you, folks, these young folks that are here, they need to be mothered and fathered. Some of them literally, and most of them spiritually. They need people that will invest in them and care for them, like, like Rufus's mama. And I love looking out at some of those seasoned Christians in our audience. 
Barb Luritsen, she smiles at me every week when I'm speaking, and that's really encouraging. You know, some of you sleep, Barb smiles. I love that about her. I love the emails that I get from Kit and Diana and, and Becky, and I love the verbal encouragement that I get from guys like Randy and Chuck and Steve and Gary, guys that know what that means to uh, a young pastor to be encouraged like that. And as we read Paul's letters like this in Romans 16, the early church kind of starts to come to life. We start to realize that these are real people that meant something to Paul. And it starts to um, breathe life into ours as well. And as we look around at how this place happens every week, we understand that we have patrons here. We have people that, that are investing financially in this ministry, some small, some large, depending on what they can do in their life. We have a lot of people who are taking risks relationally to care for other people, and I think people who have a desire to grow in that even more. We have people who work very hard behind the scenes here that you'll probably never know about. We have people that are opening their homes to us each week, some of you that are leading labs groups, and and you're always so gracious. We have many people who are dear and loving friends to us. We have people who Paul mentions, one guy in here who was people who have been tested and found faithful. Those who have served as mentors, as spiritual mothers and fathers to us. And I could literally go around this, this room here for probably a few hours and I could, I could call you out by name and I could very specifically tell you what you've done, how you partnered with us that's meant a lot to me and to building this church. In a church community, we all pitch in. It's a partnership. And each of us brings the gifts and the abilities and the passions that God has given us, and we give our very best with those things to benefit other people. And we encourage and we affirm each person that partners with us so that they know how valuable they are. In fact, I think for us this week, just kind of a great challenge I want to leave you with today is I want you to, kind of like Paul here who wrote a letter, I want you to do something very specific whether that's send an email out, call somebody, set up a lunch with somebody who's been a partner with you in ministry, and I want you to, I want you to put some thought into it. I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to specifically tell them what their contribution has meant to you. You know, hey, you've worked very hard. Hey, you've been faithful. Hey, you risked your life for me. Hey, you were there for me. You walked with me through a difficult season. Paul understood the, the value of relationships. He, he knew intimacy at a very deep level because he counted on these folks. People's lives were on the line. And he didn't want to take people for granted. And I don't want to do that either. And I think that that's an important part of building community is that you see the contributions of folks. You acknowledge their contribution. Some of you are new here You've only been here for a few weeks or maybe a few months, and I would say, um, you know, just like we kind of read this about Paul and his ministry, I mentioned some names here today, and you're like, I don't know who those people are. It doesn't mean anything to me. The one way to be known is to dive in, serve in some way, you know? I guarantee you the people that I get to start getting to know around here are people that all of a sudden I find working in some way, serving in some way. I start to learn those people's names because they're around. They're here before church starts. They're here after church is over. Dig in. Find a way that God has gifted you, a way that you can contribute 
Don't just be a, a person that's here for just convenience and comfort. Be a servant. Get to know folks. Be a part of building up God's church here at Wellspring and, and around the world. Let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just all those folks that meant so much to Paul. And God, sometimes we just kind of forget that behind this, this man who obviously you had gifted and called, who was critical to the advancement of Christianity, that there was a whole slew of people, hundreds of people who were praying for him, who were supporting him, who were serving alongside him in small ways and big ways, whether they were men, women, Greek, Jew, slaves, or free. God, every one of us has something to give and a way to contribute. And God, I pray that we would be people who would have a desire to do that, to give of ourselves in that way. I pray that that would be the greatest calling in our life, more important than anything else, is contributing to a, a community, a faith community, God, that doesn't just benefit us, but, but we want to benefit others as well. And God, I pray that we would be people that recognize those contributions and affirm and encourage people. Because God, it really means something when people know your name, when people know what you've done specifically. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that example today. And uh, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we close our service.